Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains, the place, the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. And today we have Dr. Christine Arsenault. Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for having uh, me. Oh, uh, you know, we are going to talk about pharmaceuticals, functional medicine, holistic options, and choices. Before we get started, I want to give a little disclaimer that if you are currently under a physician's care, by all means, continue your course of treatment. If you are looking for options, alternatives, and um, different functional medicines or holistic approach, then this is the interview for you because we're going to provide you with that. Tell us a little bit about your journey, um, you know, because you were telling me in the initial intake that you, excuse me, for many, many years suffered with Lyme disease. Tell us a little bit about Lyme disease, and then we'll move into the alternatives and the choices that you've made um, as a doctor and a pharmacist. Yeah, sure. So I was undiagnosed for 20 years. So I had some health issues here and there, didn't realize that they were all connected, didn't realize that it was Lyme disease causing them. And then when I was in my late 20s, I had um, some bigger things happen, like a rare form of cancer that developed after a miscarriage, as well as meningitis that I was hospitalized for. And it was after those bigger things that I really started digging deeper and looking for answers and kind of questioning what was going on in my health. And that's when I discovered that I had had Lyme disease. And that um, led to this four-year immersive journey where I really figured out how to get well. And I learned a lot along the way about not just health, but you know, spirituality and how all these other things affect our healing. And I also discovered just how misunderstood Lyme disease is. And I realized that a lot of people weren't getting help for it. Well, Lyme disease is something that's very difficult, I hear, to um, diagnose as well as treat because there's not a lot of specialists you know they're not like cardiologists or rheumatoid or oncologists it's a very special type of niche trying to find out what it is now you said that you were bit by a tick Mm -hmm. when i was nine and i didn't think anything of it i don't even know if i told an adult at that time so you you found the tick and you know i used to always be afraid of that because i walked my dog in a canyon and you know, ticks like fleas love animals. And they jump on. What does a tick look like? I mean, I, I, we don't have a diagram of one, and maybe I can insert one. But what what is a a tick? Does it look like a big? It almost <coughs> excuse me. It almost looks like a spider. Like it's got a body and it's got legs, and it depends on how engorged it is. Like. If it is has been on your body and it's full of blood, then it's like really engorged. Um, otherwise, it can be really, really tiny, like the size of a poppy seed. 
Oh, wow. Spots. And that's one of the issues with getting a diagnosis is a lot of people don't remember a tick bite. And it can, if the tick bites you and causes a bullseye rash, that's a tell tell sign that, 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 that you have Lyme. But a lot of people don't get the rash, like maybe 50%, maybe 30%. And also if the rash is on your back or the back of your neck or on your scalp or something, you wouldn't know. But all ticks carry Lyme disease or just some of them? You know, like all mosquitoes don't have West Nile virus. So, you know, it just... Right. Yeah. Not all ticks carry Lyme disease. You can, like, if you get bit by a tick, you can send it in for testing to see what organisms it has in it, because it's not just Lyme disease. That's one of the bacteria um, that it has, the Borrelia bacteria, which is the one that causes Lyme disease. But there's also like Bartonella or Babesia, which is a parasite. Um, So it's, the tick is known as the dirty needle of nature because it's jumping from you know, a squirrel to a rat, you know, to, to different animals, and it's picking up different diseases along the way. So it's, it's usually a, a nice little cocktail of things that it has. My sister-in-law has Lyme disease, and she really um, has had hail. She's had other contributing factors. But the amount of antibiotics that was poured into her intravenously caused her to hallucinate caused her to deteriorate more so than the disease probably itself trying to combat it. Um, Let's talk a little bit about pharmaceuticals. Okay. Everything has its place, right? If you are on a regimen, continue to do what you do um, until you get instructions from your physician uh, or your source (laughs) to do something different. But as we talked about, it's not healthcare, it's sick care because well, people are not big business. And I've been noticing on Netflix that there's been two or three really great series of movies that have come out talking about the pharmaceutical industry. Let's talk about the opioid uh, addiction. I had a family member that died you know, from fentanyl because they couldn't get the opioids that they need and that these people were overly Uh, prescribed these medications, they weren't monitored. And when you're in that downward spiral of addiction, all you want is relief. You don't start out being an addict because, you know, you have a slip disc, but that happens. Tell us a little bit about your experience and why you left the traditional pharmaceutical and moved more towards functional medicine. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes the side effects of medication are downplayed and people assume something is safe because their doctor is providing it to them, recommending it for them, prescribing it. Um, And they might not be aware of all of the risks. And I think sometimes if they were aware, they maybe would try a different route. So I think that's part of the problem. Um, And also everybody reacts differently. So one pharmaceutical could be perfectly safe for one person, but it could be a completely wrong dose for somebody else and way too much. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. I definitely think there's a time and place for pharmaceuticals, but typically they don't address the root cause. They're more for masking symptoms, for symptom management, you know, altering the chemistry in your body so that you're having less of the symptoms. But then that comes with a bunch of other side effects a lot of the time. Exactly. You know, you, you'll you take, um, 
ibuprofen, for example. Uh, and it may get rid of that inflammation for a minute, but you best believe that what it did to my gut was not good. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to take that into consideration. Brains, you have a responsibility to be your own healthcare advocate. The doctor, after you leave their office, have no idea of what's going on. He's got 1,500 other patients that he's got to see, that he's looking at a chart. If they're not probed or it's extracted or there's a blood test, you know, and then two, he's measuring and monitoring against other individuals. So you have to go in with your questions, with your symptoms, with your integrity and honesty. You can't lie to your doctor. The only person that you're going to hurt is yourself. Um, and check for side effects. That's the first thing I do when I get a prescription is I ask the pharmacist, okay, if I blow up like a puffer fish, <laughs> What could be, uh, you know, what could be the cause of that? Also, um, when you go into the pharmacist, the pharmacy, your pharmacist doesn't necessarily have the time to look at your cocktail, to see what you're taking versus what you could have been taking, what you're no longer taking, or what you're taking on the side. We have to be very careful with a combination of pharmaceuticals and holistic um, approaches. I tell the story all the time about when I visited China. I came back with some herbs and uh, I had two 16 ounce, well, two eight ounce mugs full of this tea and I started to hallucinate. And my husband said, well, what in the world happened? How, how did they serve it to you? And I said, oh, a little cup, maybe two ounces, three ounces. Well, I had eight times that amount. So we have to understand that medicine is derived from plants. You look at cocaine. Cocaine used to be just a coca leaf. You take it, chew on it, it's okay until someone figured out how to make it synthetic. And now it's addiction. Uh, marijuana, it used to be 3% THC, the hallucinogenic. Now you go into a dispensary and it's 35%. Um, you will look at, you know, heroin and morphine. Those were really used and still used to you know, help people when they have chronic pain or during the transition of life. I know I had to give my mother uh, morphine. I was scared to death. I thought I was going to give her an overdose, but there is a use for that. Now you are certified uh, in cannabis. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about your experience and what's going on with that. Cause I'm kind of on the fence. You know, I, I see the CBD oil. I've got a friend that takes a very high strain of marijuana and puts it in that green alcohol and she swears that it helps her with her rheumatoid arthritis. I don't deny that. But also, I know that it is not the weed that it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, first, yeah, just talking about plants in general and how pharmaceuticals are derived from, from plants. And Again, like pharmaceuticals have their place, but sometimes when man comes in, we don't get it right compared to nature. You know, like we look at a plant and we're like, oh, well, this does this one thing and this is one ingredient in it. So we're going to take that ingredient out and we're going to times it by five and it's going to be even better. But what we don't understand is that this plant also has like 500 other chemical components in it and they're all working together in synergy to have the effect. So to me, plants tend to be a lot more powerful than pharmaceuticals because of this, the synergy of how all the ingredients work. And sometimes I think 
man is egotistical to think we know exactly how something works when it could be that there's really all these other components that we're not even aware of. Um, and with, with marijuana or cannabis in particular, we are seeing higher and higher THC amounts. And, you know, we're also seeing a lot more evolution in the medical side as well with higher CBD strains and different ratios, um, you know, for pain and insomnia and different things. So I definitely think it can be really helpful. And I think cannabis can be a lot safer than a lot of pharmaceuticals, um, especially like sleep medication, opioids, anxiety medication. I think a natural source can be safer but there's a lot of caveats just with anything that you put in your body, you have to look at everything that goes into making it. So, you know, is there like mold and pesticides and different things in it? Are they extracting it in a safe way or are they using toxic solvents? So right. are, getting... they, are they put making it genetically modified? Are they putting steroids on it so that it grows quicker, faster, stronger? Are they putting pesticides on it so that it is not, um, you know, so that the plants aren't eating it because it's, again, it's big business. The right. cannabis business is, you know, it it's like a, a coffee shop uh, on every corner now. And the regulation, you know, it's a pretty package. Oh, yes, brains, I've been in the dispensaries. Uh, it's a pretty package and it looks all that, but all that's costly too. So yeah. you have to be careful. And anything that doesn't have a seed or a stem and it's a plant, mm, I don't know. Now, they're also using uh, mushrooms. Now, they're trying to make those legal here in California um, as psychedelics. People swear by it. But it's not arawesca and it's not recreational. What has been your understanding uh, of the psychedelics and the you know these mushrooms? Yeah, so I think psilocybin mushrooms have a, a good place as well. As well, as long as you are preparing for it and you're doing it in a safe way. So it always goes to back to the intent. So same with cannabis, mushrooms, ayahuasca, whatever it is. If your intent is healing and or symptom management with cannabis, you know, pain, insomnia, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and you're doing it in a safe way and you're picking products that have high standards that are third-party tested for, you know, different toxins and things like that, then it really has a place. But if you're using it as a way to escape, if you're using it because you're lacking connection and it's just a way of escaping the world, then it can be addictive. Just like your phone can be addictive and TV can be addictive. Anything can be addictive if you're using it with the wrong intent. Um, so I will say that first of all. And then I think psilocybin is really, really magical. Um, there's a lot of studies with in John Hopkins looking at psilocybin and um, I think like anxiety, depression, end of life care. There's actually a study with Lyme disease and psilocybin at John Hopkins as well that's ongoing right now. Right. And for full disclosure, psilocybin and ayahuasca were both tools that I utilized in my own healing journey as well. Um, I think psychedelics give us a different perspective that well, I, we I guess so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean well and I'm not I'm not judging absolutely not you know I mean I hear I've had a guest on my show a few weeks ago that they're still doing shock therapy mm. you know and uh, for people that have 
severe mental challenges. So there's a place for everything. But again, like you said, it's the intent and you have to be under close supervision. You have to know what you're doing. Uh, you have to have a certain responsibility. And again, it's the mindset. Yeah. And you have to prepare your body for the, your body and your mind for the experience and do it in a safe way, safe place with people you trust. And then the integration piece afterwards is really important because it could kind of blow your mind, like give you a completely <laughs> different view of the world. And then you're right. like, what do I do with this information? And right, so right, right. working with somebody to integrate that back into your life. So you don't feel like overwhelmed and confused is really important as well. Exactly. Or you feel like, you know, alienated, like nobody really understands me now because I've got this new perspective. I've got this new insight. I've got this new, you know, download of information. I can connect at a, at a different level at a different source. So yeah, it can be a, it can be a lot. What would you tell a person that is attempting or, or considering uh, transitioning to more of a functional health perspective. And then also please identify and um, define what functional medicine is. Yeah. So functional medicine is looking more at root causes instead of just masking symptoms. And it's looking at the whole person more than just looking at the disease or looking at the symptom and looking at, you know, stress management and your sleep routine and play and toxins in your environment and how past traumas potentially are affecting your health. And just, it's an overall bird's eye view of a picture of everything going on in your life, instead of just fit, fitting you into a box. Like you have this diagnosis, so you get this treatment. So I feel like you can really get a lot further when you do that, when you're treating the whole person instead of just one aspect of the person. And for anybody who wants to transition into that, I would say, you know, do it at your own pace. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend like stopping all of your medications and and taking supplements instead, you know, without doctor or pharmacist supervision, but you can gradually start adding things in, gradually start weaning off of medication and replacing them if that's appropriate for you, depending, you know, on many things. And, you know, you could start really simple and just like little lifestyle tweaks can make a big difference and They'll all start to add up over time. It doesn't have to be this huge overhaul. Right. And packaging and promotion. You got to be careful with that too, Brains. These supplements, it, again, we were talking in the green room about my journey with turmeric. Mm -hmm. I just I just started it and um, I haven't seen an impact. I don't even know what to expect. You know, I just read what the the effects could be. Uh, so I'm going to measure and monitor it, give it a couple weeks. I also did a detox, but I didn't do it right. And Brains, you got to do the stuff right. You can't detox and continue to eat <laughs> what you were eating. It's not going to erase it. You have to, again, like Dr. Christine says, you have to pre prepare the body for the transition. If you're going to do a, a three-day fast, then you need to do the three-day fast. If you're going to do a liver cleanse or whatever, then you can't be pouring stuff into your body and thinking that it's going to erase it. You know, it, it it's a mute point. It's not good. I notice now that there's a lot of testing going on with genomics and DNA that allow people to identify certain uh, genetics that are in their family or their bloodline or certain medications 
that they could, you know, be adverse to what they're doing. Have you heard a lot about that? Yeah, so pharmacogenomics is, is getting pretty popular. And I think it does have a place in really kind of pinpointing what medications might be best for somebody. So, you know, some people sometimes people have really bad reactions or maybe they, they try three antidepressants and none of them work. So it can save you that time and that energy. So you can start with something that's more likely to work for you, especially because a lot of these medications, you have to work your way up to the dose and then you have to slowly wean off. And so if you're on something and you're having a horrible reaction to it, this could be like a month or longer process. So that can save you that time. Well, it's good, but um, you want to be careful because pre-existing conditions, <laughs> you want to be sure of, of what you tell your, your doctor, but you want to trust your pharmacist. You want to build a relationship with your pharmacist. I know I had another guest on my show that has independent pharmacy. And what I loved about her perspective, I'm going to hook you up with her too, Dr. Christine. She's <laughs> uh, but what I loved about her approach is that she has the time and the energy to look at your cocktail, to see how much of this versus that, ask you the questions. Uh, she also works with a very holistic approach to provide you options. Now you have to understand, or I want you to understand that when you go with a holistic approach, this is a lifestyle change. It's not like I can take this turmeric and everything's gonna be abracadabra. This is something that I'm going to have to incorporate in my life. Uh, on a regular basis and extract all the things that no longer serve me. Is that correct? Yeah. So it, in general, it tends to be a little bit more gradual. Um, and that's the first thing I do with clients as well is to look at all of the supplements, medications that they're already on, making sure nothing's interacting or that they don't have duplications or anything that we can simplify uh, because that's really important. A lot of doctors aren't looking at that. They're not aware of all the different supplements people take. Um, and typically, yeah, if you have a condition that is caused by years of your lifestyle, you can't expect to reverse it in just a week. It usually is a little bit longer of a process. With that being said, there are really effective supplements out there. And I've had people shift their symptoms pretty quickly. I've had clients who've gotten rid of their brain fog in just two or three weeks by making some simple tweaks with their supplements. I also use a hypnosis technique so that really speeds up the progress as well. And I've had people get rid of their lifelong anxiety after just four or five sessions. So there can be some speed in that, but I think we have to look at the general picture and the gradual marathon picture instead of just the sprint. And we can get some quick wins along the way, but the important thing is that is that we're headed in the right trajectory and we're gonna get there as long as we're steady. Right, and Brains, I want you to consider something too. You know, your doctor's doing the very best he can with that, you know, 1,500 people that he has to manage. He's got 15, 20 minutes. Again, like I said, it's a probe or a, a test or a blood test that is going to help him put you in a certain paradigm. You should be this weight based upon your age, based upon this, that, and the other. But is he sitting there and really looking at your... Uh, your ethnicity, you know, black folks eat different than, I don't know, maybe Asian people. Um, are they looking at your, your body mass? I mean, I'm more muscular type. I can't see myself as 135 pounds as they project. I'd look like I was on 
crack. So it has to be geared towards you. So again, you have to kind of measure, monitor, look at who you are and how you feel, how your clothes feel. What is your, your uh, energy level? Let's talk a little bit about sleep. Sleep is so important. I threw off my circadian rhythm and then I found out that I had sleep apnea. Girl, when I was sleeping, I was snoring. Mm -hmm. So I was not able to get a hold on that. I was never going into that deep reparative REM sleep. Can you share with us a little bit about how important sleep is? Yeah, sleep affects pretty much every aspect of our health. So if you're looking for a place to start, sleep is usually a good place. Um, you know, it, it, if we're trying to lose weight, if we're not sleeping, we're not able to do that. You know, it, it accelerates aging, affects our hormones, our brain. So our brain actually detoxifies while we're sleeping. We have a glymphatic system that takes all the toxins away. And that happens when we're sleeping. So if we're not sleeping, we're not detoxifying our brain. Um, our gut health, our, our gut microbiome has a circadian rhythm as well. So our sleep affects that. So our sleep affects everything. <laughs> so that's, that's always a great place to start. Right. And you have to, again, I learned this, you know, it seemed like I should have learned it a long time ago, but if you're putting food in your body for eight hours, at least give it eight hours to digest and then the other eight hours to eliminate. That's a 24 hour cycle. But if you're gorging, you know, 10, 12 hours, sleeping two hours and constipated, <laughs> you're a hot mess. Okay. So you got to clean all that out. You got to get rid of the inflammation. And that's another thing that I discovered personally too, on this, um, live it. I don't want to call it diet. It's a live it is that the, uh, amount of uh, inflammation mm. is incredible. You've got to get rid of the inflammation before you can lose any weight, you know, and you're only going to lose weight four ways through breathing, through sweating, through urination or defecation. That's the only way that it's coming out. So you have to look at all of those things. When you eliminate, does it stink up the entire house? Really? There's something rotten inside. It's not Denmark. <laughs> it's something that's not good. Um, what is it that you're putting into your body? You know, the amount of water. What do you think about water? What's your perspective on water? Well, I think being well hydrated is important for our system to work. Um, that actually affects our sleep if we're dehydrated, um, as well as our elimination, our detoxification. So that, and like fatigue is, is a big thing as well, like being adequately hydrated. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind that affects a, a bunch of symptoms. Um, especially because I work with clients who have a lot of infections and maybe have compromised immune systems. I'm really leaning more toward distilled water um, and, you know, making sure that you're getting enough trace minerals and, and things, adding those back, um, but just because there are a lot of toxins in water yeah it is and you know she's talking about distilled water getting a, a filter or a filtration system not necessarily the distilled water that you put in your swiffer <laughs> to clean your floors <laughs> so you have to be careful about that as well so let's turn the tables let's ask you some fun questions about who you are and what you do what do you do to um rejuvenate yourself I know that you 
have a, a dog and you live by the beach. But what do you do? What do you pour into yourself that's good and wholesome that keeps you balanced? Yeah. So I do have dogs and we have a little farm with chickens and turkeys and ducks. Um, so just being outside uh, among the animals, it helps me be in the present moment. So mindfulness is a huge thing for me. Uh, I find that when I'm distracted, when I'm multitasking, when I'm you know doing multiple things or watching TV, doing these things, I don't feel grounded. I don't feel present. So just being outside, being among animals, you can't help but just be in the present moment. And that's just a complete shift of your internal world. Um, so that's important to me. And I love going to the beach. I, I am close to the beach and walking barefoot, picking up those electrons from the earth um, that just reduces inflammation, which is a huge, a huge thing. Um, focusing on inflammation is where I, I pretty much start with all of my clients because that's usually at the root of a lot of symptoms. Um, so I, I feel a noticeable difference when I walk on the beach, like my whole body just is like, like, there's just this. Yeah, yeah I do too. I do, I do too. And you know what I also dig is a tree hugging. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That, it's really, really powerful. So yeah. if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? So slow cookers, what is what comes to mind? I guess slow and steady and even, maybe. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'd be the refrigerator. I just want to chill. Okay. <laughs> if you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be? A rose. A rose? Why? Yeah. Um, I smell pretty nice. <laughs> um, different, different layers, lots of layers. Keep blooming. Yeah, yeah, I keep blooming and changing. Yeah, yeah. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? I feel like the dolphin is my spirit animal. They like show up when I need to know everything's okay. When I'm doing my stroll on the beach, I'll I'll see dolphins and I'm like, okay, everything's gonna be okay. So that that's my my spirit animal. So I guess I would I would be a dolphin. And I like to ask these questions. I know people always say, why does she ask such way out questions? Because you know what? It gives you an insight of who the person is and what they think about themselves. And that is part of the mindset work, Brains, is what do you think about yourself? Not the mm -hmm. outside noise, not the outside influences, not the repeated commercials on television of everything, you know, cheesy, creamy, crunchy, uh, fried that you could possibly eat. It's about your discipline. It's about your self-care. It's about managing uh, and really kind of putting all that into perspective. And I think that Dr. Christine, being a, you know, former pharmacist, now going into functional medicine, creating this practice, working with people on a much deeper spiritual level, allowing you to take back control of your life and your health is amazing. And I just want to thank you uh, sincerely. And I appreciate the, the value that you poured into my brains today. Please tell my guests uh, how to contact you, uh, to work with you. I know that you have a quiz for inflammation. I'm going to go in and take it because, uh, again, I don't want to be swole like a puffer fish. <laughs> All right. So, brains, you can go to limesupport.com is my website, L-Y-M-E, Lime Support. And the quiz, if you want to take the quiz, the website for that is pain-away, 
info slash quiz. And I'm sure that we'll share that as well. So you can right. see it. I'm going to definitely put that at the back of the interview and in the show notes, because I want you to go in and, and, and see how swollen you are. I mean, you may not have belly fat, but you know, you could have inflammation in your kidneys or in your heart or in your liver. There's other organs, you know, inflammation of the skin. How many times have you had a rash? Those type of things. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Inflammation can show up in your gut and your skin, different areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had a friend that had inflammation in her eyes. And so, you know, that was a big problem. So again, I want to thank you. Brains, go in, like, love, share, and subscribe right here. You see it. You know where you are. You're not lost. You're not confused. Like, love, share, and subscribe. Get turned on to Dr. Christine while she's talking. It's heavy. I want to see if you can pick up what she's putting down. Thank you so much for being here with me on the Edge of the Best. Thank you. Bye, friends. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.